Good morning. It's Friday, the 15th of December, and this is Govind Rajat Hiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Before we start, you can join this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, among other streaming platforms, at 6 a.m. weekdays in India, 8:30 a.m. in Singapore and Hong Kong, and 7:30 p.m. the previous evening in New York City. Our top stories and themes for the day: record day at the stock markets again, the 70,000 and 21,000 points breached. The best Fed day across assets in 15 years as global markets salute a likely reversal in interest rates. Demand for oil in India could fall. World copper supply is drying up after projections of a surplus. Will India be affected? Home sales across the country set to be 38% over last year. And thieves' love for Range Rovers in the United Kingdom leads to insurance premiums spiking. This is a core report with Govind Raj Athiraj. The markets hit record highs. As we expected and perhaps of course hoped, the United States Central Bank, the Federal Reserve's indication that it would now unleash at least 3 interest rate cuts in 2024 sent the stock markets rallying across the world with India joining the party as it were. The expectation now is that the Federal Reserve will lower rates by about 75 basis points next year, a sharper pace of cuts than indicated a few months ago. Next year, as you know, is not too far. So, the benchmark BSE Sensex and the Nifty 50 closed at 70,514 up 930 points, while the Nifty 50 was up 256 points at 21,183. So, there you are, the 70,000 and the 21,000 marks reached. The 50 Stock Nifty Index has now hit a record high in eight of the ten sessions so far this month. A slew of good news flowed in before that, including another upgrade in India's GDP this time by the Asian Development Bank and the general easing of oil prices, which is obviously good news for the Indian economy. More on oil, of course, shortly. Other markets did very well too, thanks to those Federal Reserve hints, with the MSCI's index of Asia-Pacific shares outside Japan going up almost two percent, its biggest one-day percentage jump in a month. European indices were also strong with France and Germany hitting all-time highs. The rupee finally recovered if only slightly after the US dollar weakened. Conversely, remember that a strong dollar has been pushing down currencies across the region, though not so much in the last month or so for India. The Indian rupee closed stronger on Thursday ending at 83.33 paise against the US dollar compared to its previous close of 83 rupees 40 paise in the previous session. It was as we said the best fed day across assets in almost 15 years according to data compiled by bloomberg there is a massive paradigm shift on wall street with the most aggressive rate hiking cycle in decades coming to an end adam saran founder of 50 park investments told bloomberg adding that the fed was no longer dealing with inflation as public enemy number 1 thanks to all of this the s&p 500 moves closer to its all time high that's topping 4700 or 4700 The Dow Jones Industrial Average hit a record and the Nasdaq 100 has now risen 50% this year. Remember the Nasdaq is mostly tech stock weighted. I reached out to Gorang Shah, Senior Vice President of Geojit Securities in Mumbai and I asked him what he was seeing as triggers between domestic and international factors driving the markets particularly in the near term. I think a lot has happened to the market in terms of domestic data points and to add to it I think overnight we had a pleasant surprise from the fed chair as everyone was calling on the streets today it was santa powell that did the magic and we are possibly experiencing 
positivities from that. So, couple of things. Earnings outlook for third and the fourth quarter remains extremely positive as far as domestic data points. So, last week, we had the Honorable RBI Governor spell out the RBI policy and spoke quite robust about the Indian economic growth and where we are. I think uh, it only speaks louder in terms of the futuristic growth. Interest rates, where they are, possibly if next year, March 24, is what we believe we might get a small interest rate cut in case if the inflation is within the elbow room, the Monetary Policy Committee. Crude oil, most important factor, Govind, below 75 or maybe lower than that is what the anticipation is. Augurs well for the Indian economy being the net importer of crude oil. And of course, the GDP growth estimates that we recently had, not only from the government side, but also the outlook going forward, which different agencies have put forward. All this puts in a very comfortable situation. Now, add to this, post the Fed chair announcement overnight, I think flows are likely to come in thick and thin as far as FI activities concerned. And along with that, you have support of the domestic institutions as well. And of course, not to forget, state election outcome has given a tailwind as to where the general elections are likely to go next year. So uh, I think markets are doing all these things. But having said that, I think we had two days of correction yesterday and day before. Though yesterday we recovered at the last hour. I won't be surprised if you see a little bit of profit booking in the next couple of days. Right. So, according the question here is, now you've sort of pointed out several triggers, domestic, including strong GDP projection, political certainty, and so on. And of course, the likelihood of interest rates coming down. It seems to me that on some of these occasions when we've seen big spikes, apart from the political factor, seems to be driven by signals that are coming from the US Fed, but backed with capital that is domestic. As in domestic investors seem to be buying in, in addition to perhaps foreign portfolio investors, but the triggers are really coming from overseas. Would that be a fair statement? Yes and no, Govind, to be very honest. Because even when the foreign flows were not there, domestic buyers were quite active. Let's face it. I think the foreign institutional sold at 15,000, 17,000, 18,000 on the Nifty I'm talking about. And now they're buying it at 20,000 plus level. So, and this sold lock, stock and barrel. Govind. It was not a small number. It was a huge number. Had it not been for the domestic buyers, I think we would have been down and out from the lows that we've recently seen. So they have been there. They are there right now. And I think the numbers speak for itself. Bhavit. And consistency is there. You know, Earlier, the thought process was if the market corrects, retail investors would stop their SIPs, would stop their direct flows into the direct equity market. But that has changed over the last couple of months and years. And that's the huge positive. I was listening to one of the individuals from the mutual fund industry. And he was saying that he expects these flow only to get stronger from here. I'm talking about the SIP flows or the direct flows into the mutual. Right. So, last question. As you look ahead, if you, between domestic triggers and global triggers, so let's say the trigger from the Federal Reserve pointing towards uh, falling interest rates next year is a global trigger. Domestic triggers, we've obviously seen the political one in recent times and there could be others. What do you think we are going to likely to see more in coming months? And I really mean months and not more than that. So, we have the budget also going <laughs> That may also possibly keep the markets on its toes. But I hope, yeah, interim budget. So I hope not that Finance Minister Srimati Nirmala Sitharamanji will have a lot of elbow to do because you have the elections coming. But between now and then, two things that I'll be possibly a little bit cautious about, given the global 
geopolitical situation covid i mean not too long back we had ukraine russia and then on 7th of october we had israel hamas so that is one particular you know situation that none of us can possibly predict we can only understand it as and when it unfolds so that is one and natural calamity or natural disaster given the way the things are going around the globe these are the two things that worry me on the international arena on the domestic front nothing that i can really say in terms of negativity i only hope that earnings deliver for the stock markets to keep the moment up on the upside right gorang thank you so much for joining me thank you gorang pleasure oil demand slumps and in our energy segment brought to you by the india energy week oil demand growth in india is set to slow next year as the spurt in consumption that followed the pandemic is beginning to fade consumption is likely to grow 150000 barrels a day in 2024 down from about 290000 barrels a day seen between 2021 and 2023 according to an official from rystard energy quoted by the economic times The drop will return growth near the pace seen from 2011 to 2019 the official said the international energy agency meanwhile sees growth halving to 100000 barrels a day according to its november report meanwhile india's russian oil imports in november rose to a four month high of about 1.6 million barrels a day that's up about 3% from october russia now makes up about 36% of the nation's overall imports at least last month according to reuters Global oil demand is slowing down sharply as economic activity weakens in key countries the International Energy Agency said as it slashed estimates for this quarter. Meanwhile, rising production from the United States, Brazil and Guyana is offsetting production cuts by Saudi Arabia and its Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries plus allies it said. Crude prices slumped to a 5-month low below $73 a barrel in London earlier this week thanks to those oversupply indicators. The energy segment was brought to you by India Energy Week set to start on February 6 next year more details on indianergyweek.com Sales of real estate spikes across the country in volume and value Sales of real estate for 2024 is set to clock in at about 38% over the previous year as home values increase as do buyers appetite for more homes sales in the first 9 months of the current year has already crossed last year's figure as indians continue to pump money into buying homes including of course the more highly priced ones mumbai the national capital region or around delhi and bangalore lead the tally figures put out by the real estate consulting from anarox say that homes worth about 349000 crores have already been sold in the top cities that's the seven cities in the first 9 months of the current year which is about 7% higher than all of 2022 which was about 327000 crores so at the current sales momentum anarox is predicting that the end of the year we are going to see about 4.5 lakh crore or 450000 crores of real estate sales in just seven cities so this of course is that 38% over last year now in terms of number of units in case you were thinking that value was the only driver between january and september 2023 about 349000 units were sold in these top seven cities against 365000 for all of 2022 Copper supplies are drying up. The world at large was expecting a surplus of copper but this is largely vanishing. 
electric vehicles and renewable energy infrastructure, apart from, of course, areas like construction, are big users and consumers of copper. Interestingly, just in October, Reuters reported the International Copper Study Group, ISG, saying that the copper market would transition from supply-demand balance in 2023 to a major supply surplus in the coming year. This was after its meeting in Lisbon at that point. Now, production was forecast to exceed usage by about 467,000 tons in 2024, a figure that was sharply up from about 297,000 tons at the time of the group's last meeting in April. However, in the past two weeks, one of the world's biggest copper mines was ordered to close in the face of fierce public protests, while a slew of operational setbacks has forced a leading miner to slash its production forecast, Bloomberg reported. The sudden removal of about 600,000 tons of expected supply could move the market from a large expected surplus into balance or even a deficit, according to analysts. I reached out to Mayur Karmarkar, CEO of the International Copper Alliance, and I began by asking him how these supply dynamics were playing out globally and whether India could be affected. Let's look at it from the Indian perspective at the moment. Overall, India's refined copper demand is much smaller overall. Overall, copper refined copper demand in India was just 700,000 plus. Uh, and if you really see the global refined copper demand is 24 million, that's a big number. So let's, you know, have our focus from the India perspective. And particularly in India at the moment, if you really see, our demand is largely picking up. Our demand story is depending on the, the reforms and the infrastructure investment happening in a country. And I call it mainly is that we are on the flex point of a typical demand is go, wherein you see that the growth rate in demand will be faster than before. And it is largely with respect to the various traditional demand sector, if we map, for example, urbanization on the macro train. Within the macro train in urbanization, you see the investments happening in the constructional space. It is expected that we will need around 700 million square meters of the construction space going forward. And if you have the norm of per square meter of construction space, around 300 grams of copper getting into wire and cable, we are talking about a much robust demand from the building construction sector. Looking at the current reforms, if you really look at the Railways, as another example, with high-speed train coming in and the railway infrastructure is getting reinforced, our demand in the railway sector is at the much higher pace. Then overall infrastructure, which is you see all the objectives of meeting 24 by 7 electricity in the rural area, the infrastructure in the power distribution sector, the transmission sector, which is going to see a much stronger demand going forward. Other sector is the, the testing on the, you know, spending power of every individual, which is increasing. And the result of that, the penetration of white roads is increasing drastically. Going forward, if you see with the short term of next two to three years, we will continue to grow at the growth rate of 15 to 16% per annum. 
So in terms of the number, since our base is relatively much smaller, I think we don't have to worry much about the global changes happening that way. If you understand the basics where the demand will always match the supply and vice versa. So what's going to happen going forward, particularly for the other countries, other markets where the growth is relatively less or not happening, I think that advantage India can have and we will not have any much impact on the global changes going Right. So you're saying we're not really going to be affected by any supply shifts globally right now. What's our current import level, Mayur, for copper? So our total demand for financial 2023 was around 1.5 million ton plus. That includes, of course, the refined copper and the scrap copper plus imports. As you know that our refined copper capacities are under constraint after the 2018 scenario pending to T-Korean. So today we have the refined copper supply coming from one smelter, but we have the imports of the refined copper coming in various forms, and that was around 384,000 tons, which includes cathodes. It's a net import of cathodes, rods, tubes, etc. Plus we have got, you know, a scrap which is more visible in Indian supply equation overall. In our case, the overall scrap was around 400,000 tons, which includes copper scrap as well as the copper content in the brass scrap, which was a huge number overall. Plus, we imported scrap of around 173,000 tons. So, on a total, you know, demand of 1.5 million tons, we have a local production of cathode around 563,000 tons. Plus, we added the imports of cathode, which was around 160,000 tons. And then we have the same is and the value are import of around 383,000 tons. Overall, our imports, although it was higher, but our imports in terms of value add product was also considerably high, which is largely coming through the free trade agreement from Southeast Asia. And then the free trade agreement happened with Japan. So our supply balance, demand supply balance was largely met through the imports and the supply of scrap. Right. Mayur, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Vering. Range Rovers are getting stolen. A string of Range Rover thefts in the United Kingdom has caused insurance premiums for that vehicle to skyrocket, thanks to which the SUV's resale value has tumbled, Bloomberg is reporting. JLR, as you know, which owns Range Rover, is owned by the Tata Group. While other luxury SUVs are also apparently popular targets for criminals, six of the 10 most stolen car models in the United Kingdom in the year to March 2023 were Range Rovers, according to the Driver and Vehicle Licensing Agency quoted by Bloomberg. The Range Rover Velar was the most targeted model. And a few words on the modus operandi. Thieves have apparently used relay attacks where handheld radio devices extend the signal from a key inside the house to open the car. Newer keyless technology can prevent this while drivers are increasingly purchasing special cases for the fobs that prevent the signal from being transmitted. JLR has apparently been rolling out ultra-wideband technology to protect its cars against this. 
In an effort to reassure existing owners and potential buyers, JLR said last month it had spent £10 million since September last year on security updates for some 65,000 Range Rovers made between 2018 and 22. This included updating software, preventing thieves from driving away without the keys to the car. As a result, JLR said thefts of vehicles made during these years had fallen about 40%. However, the JLR story is still interesting because of its sheer latitude of coverage. Apparently, JLR is also working more closely with police to help them identify the tools and tech used to steal cars which could then be used as evidence. The company even sends specialist members to examine stolen cars when they are found to establish the tactics used by criminals. Nevertheless, Bloomberg says the thefts continue. On that note, do take care of your Range Rover if you have one in India, though it seems unlikely that it would get picked up. Have a great day ahead. That was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in. And thank you once again for listening.